everybody. Welcome to the show. It's time for some news with the only Disney news program that matters. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say the only Disney news program out there. I don't think there is a diff- there isn't there is one out there. There's not one, another one out there. It's us. I'm surprised. It's such a good idea. More people <laughs> haven't thought of it. I don't know if it is or not. I don't know if that's true. I have a I have I have a feeling that that's not true. Anything 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 that needs a podcast has one. And especially in the Disney sphere of things. But it is fun to say yeah. it because sometimes it annoys people. We're like, I have one. Yeah. I mean, I'm just we, kidding. We should I don't get know. press credentials. I, I don't know how. Oh, it's easy. You get one of those hats. And the then fedora? you put the sign. Yeah. yeah. You get a fedora and then you just write press and put it in the behind the feather. Yeah. I think that's what the press credentials are. Oh, so getting press credentials is just buying a three by five card at Walgreens? It's, Deceptively easy. Oh, well, see, wouldn't realize. <laughs> you wouldn't really, man. Yeah. Uh, we have a good four, uh, a four show you today, guys. No, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we have a good four hours. We have a good four hours of Disney news coming. <laughs> and uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait for this to happen. Uh, but Jeremy. I'm most excited about hour three. <laughs> Me too, man. That's going to be the banger. Uh, before we start, I do want to update on a couple of stories uh, that we did on the last show, on the Ears Up main show. Um, one of them was about uh, severance for cast members, where Disney was saying, um, if you get a new job um, before December, so what? So the people they laid off, they're, they're, they're still getting paid through December, and then they get their severance pay after December. But if they get a new job... Um, they're not going to give them that severance pay. That was the news story. The update is that Disney has clarified that and has said, if you get a new job, you have to resign. And then once you resign, you're not going to get your severance pay, which that makes total sense to me. Oh, I mean... So they're not going to pull the severance. You, as an employee, would have to resign first. I mean, that to me is obvious. So I think the wording just wasn't very clear, and there were a lot of people okay. very upset, a lot of cast members very upset. So it's not as – it's even less rare <laughs> of a thing. Um, but also, how, how does Disney know that someone else got a new job? So if you're a cast member, you can go out now, get a new job. Nobody's going to know. So you're still getting paid from Disney, and you get your severance package, right. and you still have another job. Well, I think then that's what they should do. I would I think so too, thing. man. I really do. You know? I wouldn't tell anybody. I'm not going to resign. No. But also, maybe I'm just going to hang out for another two months. Well, I think that would probably be your option. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't I? Well. Hanging out's fun, man. Hanging hang, out is fun. Hang out. You don't got to do anything. You're still getting paid. It's great. <laughs> That's why I love coming on this show. I just hang out with you. That's true. We don't do any work, actually. Um, no, and then the evident. the other thing that I wanted to uh, <laughs> mention, we were talking, we were arguing, maybe not arguing, we were having a spirited conversation about uh, how I thought it was messed up that all these people got fired. And, and uh, you know, the reason mainly was because no one was really told properly. But for the most part, it's all these people got fired. And, and I understand that Disney can't just keep hemorrhaging money. Nope, the park isn't open, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the thing I forgot to mention, I keep uh, when I listened to that show and I edited it, I, I could tell that I was trying to think of something, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And what I wanted to remind everybody was that in August, all the upper management had moved their pre-COVID salaries back 
to what it was pre-COVID <laughs> before firing everybody. So all their, you know, the the uh, Chapex got their two point five million dollars salary reinstated. Um, all the all the the higher ups, the upper management got their pay reinstated, <clears throat> and then laid everybody off uh, the following month. So it just it's, it it just it's still gross. It makes it even it's, grosser. It's, it's absolutely vile. And, you know, I have, I'm sure I have on these airwaves, sort of defended Disney many times because I, yeah. do, I do think that in general, I'm not speaking specifically about this, but I do think mm-hmm. in general people hold Disney to kind of an unreasonably high standard because ultimately yes. – they're a company, right. but I think people, and part of it's their own fault. I think they've created Walt as like this America's uncle, and like they've romanced him, you know, and the, the voice coming over the speed. I do think that like they're part of it, but we've we've created Disney. We hold them to a really, really high standard. This is not one of those situations. <laughs> I don't think it's just dirty. If there's a sacrifice that the company is making, it should be shared at all levels. And unfortunately, yes. what I think is happening here is the leadership isn't sharing in the sacrifice that the people on the ground are doing. You've got people who are working there, working double shifts because they haven't, they don't have enough staff. You have people who are working seven days straight without a day off. You've got people on the ground in interacting with people who potentially have COVID, putting their health at risk, and the senior level of this company can't even continue to take their pay cut, which they probably don't even feel for a little bit longer. Like, I think right. it creates um, ill will towards senior management. It creates a two-team environment. I think people will think, if this company's not looking out for me, why should I look out for it? And ultimately, we, as the the guests, will pay the price of that ill will because we are we're the paying public who will feel that come back to us because it is the people on the ground who make the magic for us it's not bob jaypack but he's making right. his own magic yeah for sure man and and that's not even tying in the the bonuses mm. those are that's absolutely right. multi-million dollar i think i think i read somewhere jaypack gets almost 15 million in bonuses now that was pre-COVID. So clearly, I mean, they're not going to hit attendance numbers or whatever, but you know those are going to be massaged a little bit because that's what happens at upper management. So I don't know. I, th- I thought it was important to bring up because you're right, Jeremy. It, it is a company, and we do sort of have to remember that when uh, when you know when we're expecting them to take care of people. And it, it it's almost like we have to justify why we like Disney so much. And it's cool for us but sometimes it really does kind of suck for the people who work there. And I just don't think that it has to be that way. I, 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 would, I would like to hold Disney to a higher standard because I think they deserve to be. I mean, if any company should be having oozing goodwill towards the people who work there, it should be Disney. And I think they should get raked over the coals a little bit in public for this kind of behavior. I don't think that's appropriate. Well, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, this isn't even asking them to be above what other corporations are doing. Many corporations in this country, many mainstream corporations in this company, senior leadership still are operating at a reduced pay level. So we're not even asking them to go above and beyond the average. We're asking them to just do what normal companies are doing, and they're crapping out below that. So it's like you're not even at the bare minimum of what my expectation is. (laughs) Right. And – you know, we're supposed to come have have all these like good feelings about you. But I also think maybe we shouldn't be surprised because this is the same company that knowingly went into a country, China, and and gave, 
filmed a movie down the street from internment camps. So I right. guess maybe we should have we have a completely wrong expectation of who these dirty leaders of this company are, because that is exactly what they are, is they're dirty. Yeah, for sure. And I'm down, pissed. down the street. They were filming on the 800 block and the internment camps were at the 700 block. It was right there. Don't you know the address of the internment camp? Yeah. Jerks. <laughs> anyway, those are my updates, Jer. Well, Jason, have you ever done a GoFundMe or have you donated to a GoFundMe? Do you know what they are? I know what they are. I've never done one. Um, I yeah. feel like I've donated to one, but I don't think I'm that philanthropic. Philanthropic? Philanthropic. 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 There you go. There. I think you had it right the first time. Nice. Well, in the face of all these Disney layoffs that you just talked about, a GoFundMe page has been set up to benefit a recently started cast member charity called the Cast Member Pantry. Have you heard about that? No. Okay. Well, the, I'm going to tell you. So that's just sit right back and listen. And I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. The Cast Member Pantry has been established to assist those cast members in Walt Disney World who have recently faced layoffs or unpaid furloughs to help them defray some of their expenses by providing them with much-needed pantry food staples. The idea was started back at the beginning of COVID by furloughed Disney cast member Emily Lartigue at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic when Disney announced the termination of the Disney College program. Emily volunteered to help those college students pack up their belongings and head home. In doing so, she noticed that a large amount of unused groceries the students had accumulated in preparation for their time at Disney was heading for the waste bin. And Emily didn't like that idea, so she decided to do something good with the unused groceries and help her fellow cast members who were Orlando locals and were facing these indefinite furloughs and potential job losses. So, so far, we like Emily. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to be friends with Emily. <laughs> Emily started by collecting the unused grocery items and putting them in her home. Before long, though, the groceries started to take over and she knew she needed more space. A local storage company learned what she was doing and offered her two free months of rent to store the growing supply. Wow. And thus was born the cast member pantry. As furloughs rolled out, the demand and popularity of the cast member pantry grew. This was at the same time as Americans across the country, furloughed or not, were beginning to stockpile necessities in the face of mounting uncertainty surrounding the supply chain to stores around the country. Emily was creating appointments for cast members in need to come to the storage unit and do their shopping so they could come in during their own time or during like a specific a specified time, socially distant, pick up the things that they need, you know, pasta, all these things. Um, and at one point during this, her wait list swelled to over 1,500 cast members. Wow. The reopening of Walt Disney World in July at first seemed like it would cause the demand on the pantry to relent. But in light of recent layoffs that you talk about, the pantry seems to be needed now more than ever. Connor, enter Connor Bourne and his wife recently learned of the charity and in order to help the, pa the pantry, they started a GoFundMe page to seek out donations. In just four days, the page had already seen donations of nearly $8,000 in support of the pantry. Wow, that's great. Emily, um, the founder of the pantry, explains that the best way to help out 
is in monetary donations that help cover the costs of the storage and the purpose of those uh, and the purchase of those items most in demand. But short of direct direct monetary donations, the cast member pantry maintains an Amazon wish list with links to buy specific items needed most for the pantry. So I love to report that in the face of Disney executives re-upping their already cushy paychecks, the best part of the Disney company, its current and former cast members are pulling together and helping each other stay afloat. And if you would like to contribute or you are a cast member and need yourself, you can find the cast member pantry at www.castmemberpantry.com or castmemberpantry at gmail.com or visit GoFundMe and search for cast member pantry by Connor Bourne. So Disney cast members pulling together in a time of need as uh, Bob Chapek and his cohorts watch their paychecks <laughs> rise to pre-COVID levels. More like I Bob pay- Bob Paycheck. <laughs> Get it? Has no one called him that yet? Did you know, just in- invent that? Probably. I mean, knowing me. Bob, Bob Paycheck. I can't believe I just I don't know, man. That's and for like these cast members, man, that are just waiting. I I would have a hard time going back. I would have a hard time going back after that because you you know you're not really cared for. We're all in this together until you cross uh, until you cross the tax bracket, and then we're not in this together at all. Right. I mean, I'm sure some of them will go back out of necessity. Yeah, and you know, and- it, it's still a it's still a good place to work. But it, it, you are. It, I don't know. I, I think it's going to n- remind you that you've been, you know, where you actually stand. Well, All the corporate speak in the world can make you feel better about working at a place, but you know, when the rubber hits the road, Jer. That's right, and you know, happens. everybody has their breaking point. You can love Disney. You can be. You can have it running through your veins, but everyone has their breaking point, and I'm sure people have started to reach it. Absolutely. Know, to feel that you are, you know, to feel that you are forsaken and while people protect themselves it's really really a sad thing that's happening i'm really disappointed well you know look you got to stay on those wine club lists so i get it i mean paycheck has to be you know you can't cancel his wine membership or his golf membership or something i don't know man (laughs) he's on a wine club list i don't know yeah i hacked his email man you didn't know that I don't know. Uh, the, 20, the 21st Amendment's iconic Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer has been a summertime favorite since they started making it in 2000 at their San Francisco South of Market Brew Pub near Giants Park. The brewers at 21st Amendment decided to have some fun, and with a nod to the fall season, we're supposedly in, I think, right now, even though it's like 95 out here today. Uh, they developed their latest beer, Hell or High Mango. Hell or High Mango is made with real fruit and is sweet, slightly tart with tropical floral flavors, flavors, Jesus, and aromas. It's perfect to uh, enjoy during this fall time of year as the colors and the seasons change. Behind all that great mango flavor and aroma is a wonderful wheat beer with its biscuity, light bready notes, and at a mere 4.9% alcohol by volume, it's even more enjoyable. Hell or High Mango is available across the country wherever 21st Amendment beer is sold. So grab some today, my friends. Sounds like you can have a lot of them without getting too tanked. Yeah, which is very good for me, man. I don't like getting tanked. Mm. I like getting nicely drunk, but I don't like getting, you know, bah, you oh. know, that kind of like. I like going all the way. Let's <laughs> just, you know, what's well, the point of having 
one. Yeah, but I think when you go all the way, it's just you end up falling asleep on my couch during Titanic. That's all. That's what that means for you. Which is fine. Yeah, I'm fine going with all that. The way. Yeah, <laughs> going all the way to bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Petros, Petros, where am I? You're in my living room, Jeremy. Uh, Petros. Yeah. <sighs> Good times, man. They will happen again, Jeremy. Can't wait. Uh, since the <laughs> since the pandemic, many industries worldwide have been hit hard, shut down or not. One of the largest being the film industry. The global film and television industry has been projected to lose about $160 billion over the next five years. <laughs> Globally. Jeez. To me, that's, that's insane. A that's a lot of dough. Um, <laughs> and it's based on fears of a slow return to the box office. In 2019, the film industry in the U.S. set a record of $42 billion in ticket sales. Just to give you an example as to how powerful our entertainment sector is compared to the uh, rest of the rest of the world. In addition to the timidness of the American public to return to the movie theaters, especially the ones that are just now starting to open, industry analysts fear a crowded release schedule as production houses fight for release dates will inadvertently cause a drop in ticket sales for movie folks or excuse me for movies that folks would have otherwise gone and seen. That fight for premiere dates would then cause production delays and extend everyone's timelines for actually creating content, which is something that I never really thought about. It's like uh, I understand that not putting butts in the seats in movie theaters is going to cause people to close down movie theaters. You've already seen chains, entire chains shutting down, right? But it is more of like what happens after the fact where you have all of these production companies. Like Some are starting to actually produce content now um, mm-hmm. or at least schedule stuff for like January, February, March, whatever. But once those are done in eight months or whatever, you're going to have uh, however many art houses and production houses there are out there all wanting to release movies back into the movie theaters. So you're gonna, it's going to be packed, right? The production, the release schedule is going to be so packed that you're just either going to be limited by by uh, choice, like paralysis by choice or whatever that is. Where you, I don't paralysis know. by analysis? There you go. Or... You're only going to go to the movies once or twice a month, so you're going to choose one or two of these five movies that you actually want to see, and you're not going to see the other ones because you don't go to the movies that often, or you can't afford it. Right. So what you're saying is just just because there's four movies coming out in the month doesn't mean you're going to go see all four because exactly who goes to the movies that frequently? Do you go to the movies? Are you a movie guy? Are you are you a theater guy? Movie theater guy? I I don't see a lot of movies in general. I I should have known. I, should, I don't know why I, I asked you that. I, know, I was kind of like, hello. <laughs> um, I do, but I enjoy the act of going to the movies. And my favorite thing now is this, this, these theaters have been popping up in New York City and um, around. I'm sure there's some by you where you go and there's a bar and you can get a Manhattan. And then you are in like this, you know, you're in this recliner and you can actually just go to sleep. It really plays into my whole thing. Whereas like you go, you get tanked, the movie's on and you go to sleep. You're going to it sleep. Has, Jeez. I fell asleep when I went to, what was it, Beauty and the Beast. Remember Disney remade that? Oh, my God. Yeah. I lasted five minutes. <laughs> I, was just, it was, I was like, this is great. I have had three Manhattans waiting, and now I'm going to sleep. See, and yeah, I would, uh, I would fall asleep too, man. So you have to like meter yourself. If you care, I don't know. You might not care. But that's an expensive right. nap. It's an expensive nap, but, you know. <laughs> I don't really go to movie theaters either. I don't like it. I don't like the experience. Um, I don't like being around that many people. Uh, it's way too expensive, 
and you know you end up drinking your soda in the first fifteen minutes during the previews, anyways. But so, I love movie popcorn. Sure, movie popcorn's good. I will definitely give you that, hundred percent. But as far as going to actual theaters, I don't remember the last movie I saw. It might have been the first Star Wars that came out, whatever Force Awakens or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember. But in the, before <laughs> oh, that, it was, was like, like one of the Harry Potter. Like I just movie theater movie theater experiences. It's not for me. But you know, whatever. The last one I saw in the theater was the Downton Abbey movie. That was a movie. Yeah, they made it. In, they made oh. the show into a movie. Was it good? Did you fall uh, asleep? No, <laughs> I I was too busy crying. <laughs> Well, uh, okay, so we're talking about the timeline, right? And it's going to cause production delays, and, and, and people are sort of panicked about it. But Disney is being forward-thinking, as usual, and they've already thought about this even before the pandemic, apparently. And they're going to try to use their streaming platform, Disney+, Plus, as just another outlet for theatrical releases. Just last week, Disney announced a, quote, strategic reorganizing of its media and entertainment businesses. <laughs> That's a direct quote. Mm-hmm. It's like the title of the press release, which... I don't know, man. It sort of like says everything and then nothing at the same time. Uh, in order to capitalize on the success of Disney+. Plus, Here's uh, the first paragraph of that, which, again, a lot of corporate speak. You sort of get the gist, but not really. In light of the tremendous success achieved to date in the company's direct-to-consumer business and to further accelerate its direct-to-consumer strategy, the Walt Disney Company today announced a strategic reorganization of its media and entertainment businesses. Under the new structure, Disney's world-class creative engines will focus on developing and producing original content for the company's streaming services, as well as for legacy uh, platforms, while distribution and commercialization activities will be centralized into a single global media and entertainment distribution organization. The new media and entertainment distribution group will be responsible for all monetization of content. That's my announcer voice, both distribution and ad sales, and will oversee operations of the company's streaming services. It will also have sole PA. That was a word salad. Yeah, it really is. It's um, it's I think two sentences. Yes, it's two. It was two sentences. Anyway, what does all that mean? I have no idea, yeah. but here's an attempt to figure it out. <laughs> Under the new organization, Kareem Daniel, who is an executive that oversaw consumer products, games, and publishing is moving from that division to oversee all of Disney+. Plus. Now, you'll note that he's not moving from a place of actual streaming experience, right? I mean, games you could sort of say are streaming, but it's not really. Publishing, eh, not really. So that lack of experience is sort of signaling to other industry, industry folks that Disney is trying to think outside the box a bit and use their streaming service as a viable option for releases rather than just a place where old content lives. And that's sort of what we think about Disney+. Plus. That's what I think about is here's all their old sh- stuff from the vault, right? And you have a, <laughs> right. some new programs, but it's like the content that, in my opinion, that they're making for Disney+, Plus belongs on Disney+. Plus. It's sort of with the Mandalorian aside, right? It's like sort of low quality and low interest, and it's just a thing to put in a, in a placeholder. You know, we, we have this much content, and we have this much space, so let's, let's right. pack the space in with some dumb program about cakes, or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> hey, did you guys watch that new cake show? <laughs> it's a blast. No. They were trying to use double O flour instead of cake flour, and I knew they wouldn't work. <laughs> The goal there is for individual studio heads and execs to decide where their content is viewed. Is this piece, whatever they made, is it destined for theaters or is it a perfect fit for streaming? Don't forget about TV, right? 
So with this new organization, Disney's taking more control over its content while giving more value to its streaming side. So if you're head of a department or whatever, you, you, you're an exec for this arm or whatever, you can go, okay, well, this project came through, came across my desk. We should green light it, but I think it's probably going to go to the theaters or it's going to go on ABC. This isn't, okay. you know what I mean? Or this is perfect for Disney Plus because the movie theaters, it might be too crowded or whatever. So they can, they're sort of, they're, they're, they're treating Disney Plus now basically as equal to a movie theater. Yeah. In my mind, as to where to put their releases. Right. So in the future, smaller releases like, remember McFarland USA from 2015? No. Exactly. It grossed only $11 million during its opening weekend. That is something that would have been perfect for adding more value to Disney Plus. Or Queen of Catwe from 2016. That only made $300,000 on opening weekend. That would have been perfect for Disney+. Plus. There's a movie called Queen of Cat Wee. Cat, cat, cat Way? C, uh, it's K-A-T-W-E. Oh, and I thought you I were... I think it's it like, like a... Like a cat's pee-pee. Yeah, yes. That's exactly what Disney... The kind of content Disney makes. Here's a movie <laughs> about a, cat pee. That's perfect for Disney Plus, guys. I yeah. can't wait. I think it's going to be great. I can't wait. Maybe it's some a, a, a housewife of New Jersey saying she can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I've been watching Real Housewives of New Jersey for like the last month nonstop. Oh, my God. I had to stop it to come over here to record this. <laughs> perfect. Um, and these films that had very low uh, interest in the box office were obviously not subjected to the upcoming premiere uh, release crunch. Right, these art films and smaller draws would get crushed if put into these traditional venues moving forward. So this restructuring has been in the works for some time, according to Bob Paycheck. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. The pandemic just accelerated the change and probably highlighted the need for a shift in thinking. Disney Plus now has over 100 million subscribers, thanks in okay. large part to most people staying home in these last several months. Hence the shift in timelines to immediately implement this restructure. Even investors in Disney see the value Disney Plus brings, with one of Disney's largest stakeholders asking the company to actually forego the annual $3 billion in dividends it pays out and instead redirect that money to providing more streaming content. Not to, yeah, you know, not, to, not, not to give people salary raises, not to, not to help the workers. This is more content. I just want to put that in there. Uh, Of course, this news has left the movie industry in a bit of a panic. If they can't count on the Disney company to bring in customers, even for small or mid-sized films like uh, McFarland USA, how are they expected to truly survive? This was highlighted recently when Disney announced it would pull its forthcoming release of Pixar's Soul from European theaters and would instead be directing it to Disney+. European theaters are up in arms about this because their theaters have been open. They're like, we know how to do this. We've been doing it for a while now. Everything is fine. We are counting on this release to help bring people in so we can survive. Right. Right. And now it's just, you know, so it's almost like Disney's sort of pulling the lifeline a little bit. Yeah. Um, to another group of people, not just cast members. But things are <laughs> are not lost for the movie theaters of the world. True, some are going out of business, but others are pivoting, trying new ways to get people back. AMC, one of the largest chains of theaters in the country, allows you to actually rent out an entire theater for up to 20 people, starting at $99. 
And you can select a movie from their website and choose your time, and you're ready to go, man. And they, it's not like they're like third or fourth run, you know, movies or whatever. They actually have, uh, they have Hocus Pocus, which is coming up, right? Shrek, if you want to rent out a movie theater for Shrek, The Nightmare Ugh. Before Christmas, of course, the Annabelle series, Born Lee, oh, The Boss Baby, there it is, Coco, you can watch Coco again, The Conjuring, uh, Conjuring Two, Empire Strikes Back, if you want to go check that out. Oops. Uh, Jurassic See, Park, How to Train Your Dragon, the Jumanji sequel, Monsters, Inc., Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh, there's a lot of bad movies in here. Yeah. Look, I, I have to Pretty say cool. I, I applaud a theater for trying something else, right? Like, they got they got to figure something out. Like, yep. let's give it a whirl. Right. But as a consumer, I'm like, I think if I was going to spend money to run out of theater, I think I'd rather just have people over. Be like, guys, I'm watching yeah. Jurassic Park tonight. Anyone want to come over? No, not right now. I wouldn't. I mean, that's me. I wouldn't do that. I oh, would right. I would Sorry. feel more comfortable in a movie theater that's clean and sanitized. And you go in a couple, a couple people have time and then you can space out and then still. But then also, what is the point? But there are some people like, look, if, if they had a movie that I just I had to see that I haven't seen before or that I was feeling nostalgic, maybe Taryn and I would rent out a movie theater for 99 bucks take Alice to see Nightmare Before Christmas on the big screen. I, I, that would, I would consider sort of thinking about rejecting that idea, but at least I would consider it. Okay. Just to get out and do some, just to do something. And remember you get out and do more stuff than we do because you guys are a little bit more responsible than we are out here. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, but I thought it was neat. So if you're yeah. in the mood for a movie, uh, you know, and you want to support, people like this see if your local theater chain does this i mean amc's you know i think they're global but if you have these little art house movies or something like that that you want to go see at these uh locally owned theaters to do that i think that'd be cool all right well that's interesting i like that this whole thing could maybe be bringing back the drive-in yeah there are drive-ins uh that are sort of thriving right now which i do yeah. i do like i think that's really uh cool drive-in movies are cool when we it's just Alice doesn't stay up that late. I mean, her bedtime is yeah. seven thirty, so we can't, you know, we can't really go and do that. But um, right, yeah, soon. I mean, I'm you can put her in the years. back with a sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The hard part is waking her back up, and like, okay, you got to wake up, and then she's falls asleep. It's just like that unbroken sleep, and she's never really been good about that to be like yeah. have her sleep broken, and just then it, then she always wakes up at like five thirty in the morning, and like. Mm. So it's easier just to deprive her of all this. All right. Thanks. Well, you have heard me right here on these very airwaves extolling the virtues of visiting the parks in this (laughs) post-lockdown world. I've gone on. I've celebrated low wait times at the parks. In the wake of the reopening, I visited Disney World the second week of August, a full month after the parks reopened. And I visited the parks twice in the last two weeks. And I'm here to tell you firsthand, things on the ground are evolving very fast when it comes to park attendance. I love it. In recent days. What? I love it. Sorry. You love it. (laughs) Thank you. I love it. I wanted to jump in and totally interrupt you to say, I love it. I just saw your head pop up and go, I love it. Um, In recent days, there has been a significant increase in average wait times across the parks and the Diz Twitter world has taken notice with complaints at D-E-A-M-A-Y-A. Demaya tweeted earlier this week, quote, too crowded. Even as some 
even as someone who had COVID, I was not comfortable being at Magic Kingdom or Disney Springs. Wow. Animal <laughs> Kingdom was good, but we didn't do any rides because wait times and crowds. So we, this person's had COVID. And still won't do it. No, still don't like it. That's how bad it is. I love that person. I knew you would. Even I weighed in earlier this week after a trip to Magic Kingdom, noting oh. with pictures that while the walkways in general seem light on people, the excessive wait times didn't reflect the seemingly low level of crowds. Mm. And that was my was- point from the other from last week when we had that show. You can have you can ha- you can be empty all you want, but if the wait times have been going up. Well, they have, yeah. I mean, but fast. I was in the parks two weeks ago, and it was walk on. Yeah. So it's like what? Is, it's like that's how fast things are changing. People are getting in there. Mm-hmm. People's observations seem to have validity, according to analysis by website easywdw.com. <laughs> at- <laughs> hey, look, yeah. that's the site. I mean, look, God bless him. It's just a funny. Look, coming from a man who has a website with a Z instead of an S, that's a funny right. that's a funny name for a website. <laughs> right, you're you're there. Yeah. Um they have calculated that average wait times since the reopening of Walt Disney World in early July have increased up to 192%. <laughs> nasty. That's nasty. It is nasty. Together this statistical analysis combined with the observations of frustrated parkgoers expecting low waits has prompted an outcry. An outcry so loud that Disney's CEO, Bob Chapek, went on the record in an interview on CNBC stating that Disney parks have not increased their operating capacity above 25% and continue to operate at or below that level and stated they will stay at that level until CDC guidance changes. While some find this announcement incredulous based on their uh, observations, others seem to be making more sense of the numbers. At Scott Gustin stated on Twitter, quote, yep, I have been saying this since July. Capacity has not increased. This further highlights how crowds underperformed in those first several weeks. I think the crowds we're seeing now are what Disney expected in July. So basically, this is the 25% crowd. Right. Yeah. Right. We were probably dealing with the 5% crowd and we thought that we were limited at 25. So it's all our expectations are all out of whack. Mm-hmm. For sure. They're all topsy turvy. <laughs> yeah. You know, 100%, man. It should also be noted that these queues Disney built, you have to remember, they have the ability to eat up lots of people. So you have lots of people building up in the queues increasing the wait time and taking them out of the walkways, which would explain why the parks feel like um, so light, though the wait times have increased further. Several parks experiences and dining spots do remain closed, further adding to the pressure of those attractions. We so love guests no longer camped out on the curbs of main street for hours, waiting for the front row to see the parade Stage shows in front of Cinderella Castle no longer draw an assemblage of people away from the attractions. Restaurants remain closed, forcing people away from their uh, locations where maybe they would have stopped, rested for a bit longer, enjoyed their Dr. Pepper. And, of course, nighttime spectaculars no longer see a buildup of people hours before showtime as they stake out the best location to watch the pyrotechnics. Uh, So, um, you know, I am finding... 
that this adds up to the additional wait times. People are in these lines because so here's the thing. I used to go to Disney parks and often maybe ride one or two rides, but mm-hmm. I would spend a lot of my time shopping, just kind of browsing, getting a bite to eat, and then you get the hell out of there. But now it's difficult to shop. Most of the stores are closed. You can't sit down and have a bite to eat in a lot of these restaurants. The only thing to do now are these attractions. So if you're there, you're going to an attraction. You're not doing anything but. So everyone's living in these queues. And there's no fast passes either. Right. So that's it. Well, and and that's what always bothers me about the rush to open Disneyland. It's, you know, remember Disneyland has less space in their walkways than Disney World. It's not a one for one. They're not apples to apples. It's apples to carburetors. You know what I mean? It's the Main Street is, look, I'm exaggerating. You know, maybe it's more of a muffler. Main Street's (laughs) smaller. There's not these little kickouts that you guys have where you can walk around people. You're stuck until you get to the hub. You can't branch off and go anywhere, especially if stores are closed. And, you know, the the queues in, like, Fantasyland are very tight. They're much, much tighter than places in Disney World. And so it it, it is very different. And especially, like you're saying, if you're forced to be outside or go into these rides, I I, I could definitely – I understand the hesitation. I understand the hesitation of of opening Disneyland. They want to make sure they do it right. And it, but I think it, it is a little bit easier in Florida because there is so much space. And if people are a little bit nervous or they have to, uh, you know, extend the, 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 the queue line maybe out into the walkway a little bit, there's plenty of space to do that. But I don't think there's as much space in Disneyland as, as we would like to think there is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, hopefully the scenario would be that the queues would fill up and keep the people out of the walkways. Sure. But – and I'm for some reason I'm only really thinking about Peter Pan for the most part. Where if you're trying to stay six feet, you know, in my mind I would love to see it ten feet, especially because it's it's there's no airflow in there. If you've ever been in Peter Pan in August, there's no <laughs> there's no airflow. So I would just right. that personally, but whatever. But you can only have you know help a certain many groups of people there, and then at some point you're going to have to have overflow. Especially like you're saying, if wait times are are really popping up that hard. What do you you know? What I mean, you've already you're already taking out probably groups uh, room for groups of three people by that six foot rule. The way people pack in there, so it has to. Oh, go somewhere. and the the queues are already spilling out. I mean, at yeah. Epcot, Frozen Ever After. Oh man, the way they're you're in World Showcase down going towards China. Wow, because to you they aren't filling the queue as packed yeah but the people are there people are there there. isn't a space inside so now it's like there's weights there's a wait to get into starbucks there's a guy holding a sign this is the end of the starbucks line and you're going down main street usa same to get into the emporium if you want to go in the emporium you wait in the line on the sidewalk outside until they let you in is the ventilation in these places different like are they just are they trying to swap air out even more you know, like in the, the cabin and airplane, they swap the air every five minutes. It gets clean, you know, gets uh, exchanged every five minutes, they say. I, for this story, I reviewed a schematic of the air conditioning systems and mm. the upgrades that they've done. Okay, yeah. Um, what did I, you find? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I can tell okay. you this. Well, just my, from being there, like, I'm just, if you, if you noticed any, any difference yeah. or whatever. I haven't, I have not noticed a difference. Um, Some reporter you are. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Excuse me, are those HEPA filters? Uh, what what Merv rating are those filters, please?" Merv Griffin. So, um, the only thing that I know, yeah, 
This is literally the only thing I know. Okay. Uh, I, was wa- I was walking in. I was wearing my Spectro mask. Yeah. And they are not as big as I had sort of hoped. Yeah. And uh, it was still on my nose, but it was – the slippage was starting. Okay. And she stopped me. And the lady at the – she was like, you got to lift that. She's like, cover up your nose. It's not covered enough. And I was like, are you – all right, ma'am. Over your schnoz. You got to clip it down yeah. over that schnozzer. Maybe I should bring like a clothespin and put it on there. Oh <laughs> God, that would be such a good idea. That would that would be pretty good. Or you just wear two masks, you'll be fine. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. So that's it. So wait times are increasing. People are knowing about. People are, okay. are noticing it. Chapex commenting. Twitter is a bustle. Lots <laughs> happening. <laughs> I love it. I love hearing that. I mean, I don't yeah. really, but, uh, you know, I think it'll be fine. Well, speaking of that, let's just ride that train for a little bit. Um, apparently, uh, Anaheim City officials visited Disneyland this last week to chat with everybody over there at the park to see exactly how they are preparing to reopen. So the okay. Disney's trying to get the city council on. So it was the city council members. Yeah, uh, city officials. Um, okay. It so wasn't this, like state. It was no it was city. Local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do know that uh, Newsom sent a few people out to Disney World to see how you guys are doing it out there and report emissaries. Back. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I don't know. I haven't seen any follow up on it, so I think it might actually either still be happening, or or uh, we just haven't heard anything yet. But I do know that Newsom is sending people out there, so he's very curious about how how it's happening. But this person, um, you think they wrote Splash? I hope so. <laughs> Um, Mark, um, excuse me, Mike Leister is the city of Anaheim's head of communications. And he uh, gave an interview recently and he says, uh, we do have to start with downtown Disney because it's a blueprint for what the parks would look like just to get in there is a cursory health check, cursory health check. And that's not unusual, but Disney has actually hired clinicians from Hoag hospital which is uh, Orange County Hospital in Newport Beach, to screen everybody who goes into downtown Disney. Of course, they're taking temperatures, and if somebody doesn't pass on the first go-around, they'll bring them into a tent, and they'll let them sit in the shade for a few minutes, and then they'll try again. If you don't pass in two tries, they'll give them some counseling about symptoms and suggest seeing their doctor or get tested. He says that alone is the most extensive screening we've seen outside of a hospital. But he's forgetting that temperature checks literally do nothing. They don't tell you anything. Because of stuff like this, if it, it could be related to the temperature outside or the person doesn't use it properly or whatever. It's not really like it's not, it's not as effective of, of a deterrent as, as people might think. Uh, it's he not on. as effective, yes. but you know how I think of it? No. Here we go. <laughs> Tell me this beautiful analogy. Have you ever seen a documentary on like how a, like a, a water treatment plant works? No. <laughs> okay. No. Well... The water comes in from the, like the dirty river, right? Okay. So first, there's like, you know, just big bars mm-hmm. and they catch the trees. And then there's another level that's more like a chain link fence and the water goes through and then that catches the branches and it gets finer and finer and finer until you have pure water. So that is like the big bars. It's going to It'll probably get rid of some of the dirty people. Maybe, but if for the but, most part. Then you, so you need a multi-pronged approach. But I'm saying I'm not against the temperature checks because I think it probably uh-huh. will get rid of some percentage. And my water is cleaner Maybe. than if it had a tree in it. And that's Maybe. All. <laughs> okay, sure. 
<laughs> sure, man. But I think it's it's like it, it, your bars analogy is fine, but drop it to two bars, not five. So it might catch the really large ones, but trees are still going to come through because two bars isn't as effective as being closed. Um, once you get into downtown Disney, he continues, you have hand wash stations everywhere, sanitizer capacity limits. You've got floor markings everywhere. There are big signs that say, don't sit here to ensure social distancing. It's much more thorough than we would see in any other outdoor shopping mall in our area. They went above and beyond. So it sounds like the city council is starting to get on board. Um, yeah, well, they need those. <laughs> they yeah. need it. Yeah, for yeah. sure, man. Absolutely. They have extensive uh, camera systems as well. They use to help identify issues where people might be bunching up or congregating. They will have ambassadors in the park go over there and make sure people keep moving. That is something we've uh, heard from Disney World as well. And uh, the first big change uh, that they've done to rides is, uh, this is specifically on Space Mountain, is ride loading. They will always ensure six feet of space between parties. So taking Space Mountain, for example, where you have two tandem-attached rockets with six people each, what they would do if there's a party of four is sit that party in the first two rows and leave the back rows empty and then begin loading the next car. Right. Of course. I mean, he's... he's yeah, that's how he, they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, he's acting like it's just this big revelation to him. Whatever. Uh, depending on your mix of parties, blah, blah. Um, also, what they call a turnaround in a line when you're face-to-face either with somebody or slightly behind you and uh, ahead of you in line, you know, at that where you do that 90 degrees. Yeah. Uh, they put plastic shields anywhere. There's a, a situation where you would find that where people are not able to keep six feet distance in a linear queue. Uh, they've put in plexiglass shield. Yeah. So that's cool. Oh, see, here we go. Some rides will change completely. So Peter Pan's flight is one of the original rides built in the 50s. Its wood railing area is very tight. They won't even use that. You will all queue outside. And once you get to the wood railing, you would go straight into the pirate ship area. Interesting. Well, there you go, because you were you were very concerned. Because that, to me, is the one the one place that really screams out. So... It sounds like they've they've listened to this show, and the, the only reason they're making these changes is because they listened to this show, man. Yeah, that's just that's the only natural conclusion I can come to, man. I apologize. Yeah, if, um, yeah and then of course haunted mansion. Uh, you won't have the stretching room thing at the beginning of the ride. You'll uh, right. you know you just. Uh, but how how do you get downstairs? That's what I understand. Oh right, because ours is in an elevator. Just, I was gonna say you just walk through, but yours yeah. you have to go down. Oh, I think maybe you, maybe what he's saying is. Oh, I think I, I see what he's saying. You're not gonna fill up in the lobby or the foyer, and then wait for the elevator because that's what they do, right? They'll 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 fill two elevators, go down, and then while yeah. everyone's disembarking and the elevators come back up, they're filling that the foyer, right? So I don't think they'll do that. They'll just keep you at the door, wait for the thing to load up or the elevator come up and the doors open, then you just go right into the elevators to go down. And maybe it. it just goes right down. Maybe there's no talking. Spiel. Yeah. yeah maybe it's quick. Yeah. Yeah, here, it's just all the doors are open and you just walk through. Yeah, I like that. I like that, man. Scratch you where you itch. <laughs> Uh, in stores, they have installed plastic barriers at all checkouts and they've removed a lot of displays to create more floor space. I don't I don't feel that here. Really? Yeah, that emporium is full of co- full of goods. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, it yeah. doesn't exist out there, man. You guys are on a whole different level. 
like they've got the part the plastic dividers up but there's a lot of merch in that thing i don't feel like they've taken out any fixtures Mm, that's probably true man but i could be wrong uh okay well there you go that's my update so it sounds like disneyland has done a lot of stuff to uh, to facilitate reopening in a safe and responsible manner i will still not go however it sounds like things are are progressing and that uh that's good for everybody well did you hear about shanghai no shanghai isn't even enforcing masks really (laughs) they're allowing fit up to 50 percent capacity they've got nighttime spectaculars it's almost like nothing happened. Uh, that's insane. Yeah. So I read about that. What the are the end. numbers in Shanghai? I don't know. Millions. I mean, they're saying 24 cases of, as of October 15th. 24? <laughs> which I don't believe. <laughs> it's, hard, wow. it's just impossible for me to believe. But yeah, that's a little tough to to swallow. Yeah, I don't that's know what's happening over there. They're 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 full. They're going full. And uh, there's rumors today that I heard that because um in in France numbers have been starting to go up again, and they've instituted curfews in some of the cities that are hotspots there. That there's a chance that Disneyland Paris may have to reclose. Damn. So that's wild. You know, it's a moving target. Um, I have another little short one. You want to talk about that? Yeah, let's Space see. Mountain yeah. is going to have a live-action movie. Oh, <laughs> Space friggin' Mountain is going to have a live-action movie. Now, it's it's interesting. It's with the writers of the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series that has yet to shoot. So they they've two things stand out to me. One, we don't need a friggin' Space Mountain movie. I, I I don't understand it, but it's a business. I get it. It's good for my stocks and my 401k, but... Do you have a lot of your 401k invested in Disney? No. Oh. But they're they're making... Not making. They've signed on a guy who has yet to be successful with the first project he was signed on to do. Now he's doing the second one. It just it doesn't seem very uh, smart, I guess, to be like, well, here's an unproven guy. He's already going to write this, so why not just throw this other project at him? Who cares? Right. Joby. First of all, his name is Joby. Joby Joby Harrell. Wan Kenobi? <laughs> Joby Wan Kenobi. Hello, my name is Joby. Uh, he's worked a range of movies from Zack Snyder's upcoming Army of the Dead to Warner's King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. There you go. I don't know. He's also producing it and uh, which with one of the people who produced disney's a billion dollar grossing aladdin remake see that's the thing these movies it doesn't matter like they can do it as long as it makes more than it costs they're golden it doesn't matter if it stinks although what was this deal with that movie tomorrowland oh that's That's what this is making me think of awful it was a terrible movie i thought it was terrible it was there was a lot of like pretty scenery and I thought um, they yeah. tried really hard. They tried to do something weird where, like, you take this Tomorrowland pin and when you touch it, you transport it. I fell asleep. It was it was thoroughly bored. It was so dry. It was tough. It was very tough. It was very tough but to watch. Did it make back its like? Did it was it profitable? Oh, I don't know that. You want to find out? Yeah, you find out. But that was a tough one. And that girl, she was a tough watch. I mean, <laughs> that, was that her first acting job? That girl. Uh, apparently it made $209 million. 
Huh. Um, That's is that it, is the that, budget was one eighty to one ninety, and box office it took two oh nine. So it made more than it. But see, I think part of the problem is you can you can still make money on these, like you said, these projects like Tomorrowland did make money, um, but the ill will that you sort of create with your audience if the movie sucks, you can't. That's harder to repair. So yeah, you make your money, but you know, are they going to see the next one? Like, is anybody really going to pay money for this? No, I'm going to wait till it comes out. Um, somewhere else, and I'll just use someone's Disney Plus login or something like that. Like, I'm not going to pay for this. It's insane. <laughs> you know what strikes me though? I don't. It doesn't seem to me lately Disney's worried about it. It will. No, I don't think they care. They, at they, all, they're generating a lot of it. It's one of the the big. It's one of the things they make the most of. It will. So this guy, this guy, uh, he was executive producer. One of the guys was executive producer on John Wick Three, which the John Wick series is rad if you like action movies. Uh, he was also an exec producer on Underground, which is a historical drama co-created by Lovecraft Country's Misha Green. And if you haven't seen Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, I think it's on HBO. It's amazing, very very good show. It's uh, like sort of it's sci-fi and it's. Uh, uh, the main actors are black, and it sort of takes you through like the black experience of like the fifties, but then okay. also and like set in like real, you know, like they're at Emmett Till's funeral, right? So it's like real things that happened in real time, uh, real life, but it also like sidesteps this whole entire sci-fi thing. It's it's very very good. I really like it. It's it's amazing show. Check it out, Lovecraft Country. Anyway, uh, that's okay. it. I think that's all the news, Jeremy. That That's the news. That's the news, baby. Unless you want well, to talk about your, uh, you want to do the uh, cruise. Tell them about the cruise. We got people want to know. God, you want me to do it? Yeah, because I don't have it pulled up. Um, it's t- it's time, Jeremy, to start dreaming new dreams. It's time to start making new. Uh, this is that what I sent you? Yeah, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't even understand <laughs> your writing. Keep going. You're doing it's good. You're so doing bad, good. dude. This is so terrible. I want to hear. It's time to start making new memories. It's time to start planning for your tropical Disney Cruise Line vacations. Because from January to May 2022, we'll be offering a variety of exciting itineraries to choose from. So uh, basically, you can go on Disney Cruises uh, starting in early 2022. That's it. So the Cruise Line is coming back. Cruise Line's coming back. I want... I mean, I, I sort of wonder why it's it's taking so long because that is that's another year and a quarter now. Um, but also, I guess I get it. I don't know. I mean, cruise lines have sort of been like very very large super spreaders of this. So I guess they want to really make sure that that vaccine really gets through the population, man, before they come back. Yeah, it is. It's a little difficult to social distance on a cruise. Yeah, I love cruise. Man, I've been on one cruise. I swore I would never go on a cruise, and I went on one for work, and it was amazing. And I really wanted. And go you back. loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It was great. It was great because you just you just buy the drinks pass, make sure you drink enough. You get super drunk by like four. You go to the buffets all the time, and then by eleven o'clock, you're ready to go again. That it's is fun. Wonderful. It's great. It's a little weird being out like on the on the deck and you seeing no land anywhere else except maybe sometimes way off in the distance there's another little yeah. ship and what i what i didn't understand is so it was like a three-day cruise we left from miami and then um went to uh the caribbean and then like came back but that's not the three days so there's a whole day where you're just at sea and what they yeah. do is they just make a figure eight in the ocean 
They're oh, just yeah. literally like just circling, just doing this, killing time. I don't know. I thought that was neat. Using fuel. It's great. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love a cruise. <laughs> I love a cruise. All right. You ready, Jer? Are we done? Ready. All right. I do want to tell you guys, if you're listening live and, uh, you know, uh, those of you in the know, we are having our Corn Tiki Room for your Patreon supporters. Corn Tiki Room is going live tomorrow night, 8.30. I'll be dropping the links in the Patreon page uh, you know, probably tomorrow or whatever, just to give you guys a little taste of it. So that'll be a good time. Uh, we're going to have my good friend Matt, who has done the logo for the Corn Tiki Room, actually. He's going to be on the show. We're going to chat with him about being a, an artist and just hanging out all together. We are also going to be helping Beverly plan her potentially upcoming trip to Disney World in October next year. Yeah. We're going to be planning that. She's like, I'm already writing my questions for you guys. I'm like, great. <laughs> It'll be fun for everybody. Uh, so that'll be a good time. And if you want to participate in that, uh, become a Patreon supporter. And then if you're not a Patreon supporter, but you just want to check it out, what we've done, uh, I, I make those go live like a, a week later or something like that. So... Just a little something oh, they cool. Do eventually go to the the, the viewing public? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. I did like that. Um, yeah, and I didn't. I, I still don't know. I'm still trying to figure out this Patreon thing about like what people actually care about. But mainly, I want the Corn Tiki Room to be just like a coming together of our Patreon supporters and that our little community that we got going on over there. So uh, sure. maybe it doesn't matter uh, to, if I wait a week or not. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, anyway, so that's what's coming up. Um, if you want more shows like this, of course, uh, we have Ears Up, our main show. We have Supreme Resort. We have Scraping the Vault. We have Bantha Milk Podcast. We got a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, good times coming your way if you like fun. And who doesn't? <laughs> Besides me. Anyway, thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it, young man. Sure. Thank you. I'm glad you're surviving Florida. I don't know. I'm glad you're surviving oh. Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if that was the last word of the show. Nope. I'm surviving. I'm thriving. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, that's good. I like you thriving, man. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you later.